Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Need expert advice on your family's health? Speak to us today at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. I'm joined now by uh, one man who probably does remember that experience. Oh, uh, <laughs> film correspondent at the Irish Times, Donald Clark is here, and culture journalist Zara Hederman, who probably doesn't even know I what Top of the Pops it. is. Yeah? I did okay, do it, yeah. I was an avid uh, mixtaper. I was going to drop in quickly that no one called it a mixtape in my day. I would say would, would add that aspect yeah, to it. Yeah, what did we you call it? Compilations, I think, didn't we? I think yeah, mixtapes yeah. are a phenomenon of like well, probably twenty years ago. We're not retrospectively, recently. we're we're, uh, yeah. we're re- what's it called? Retrofitting that onto yeah. it. Anyway, you're here not to talk about mixtapes, but to talk about the big and small screen releases for the week ahead. Um, Donald, you are highly recommending, and I remember at the time, I think you were highly recommending if Beale Street could talk. So it's on the BBC Two on Tuesday at 11.15 and you think this is one of the best films of the last few years? I do. At, um, from the director of Moonlight um, at, and I think it's arguably even better film than Moonlight at, um, I would say uh, one of the best films of the last few years. Regina King won Best Sporting Actress for at the time but it's kind of been a bit undervalued since. It's not a film people talk about a great deal. Um, I think maybe the sort of the sheer aesthetic perfection of it um, works at kind of an angle to the political edge because it has a real political edge to it but it's also incredibly beautiful adapted from the James Baldwin novel of the same name but a New York couple caught up in a malign jumble of legal evasions and societal dishonesties when one of them is when the when the lad is accused of a crime um uh Kiki Lane is great in it uh, Stephen James is great as the two leads um and I think it it's a strange film in the sense that it sort of hangs around in the popular consciousness. People know the name. It's sort of mm-hmm. sits there or thereabouts. In a, but they don't didn't connect with the film the way they did with Moonlight. And I highly recommend it. And I think it's okay. also great as uh, uh, jazz score from Nicholas Bratel, which um, should have um, figured in more awards than it did. OK, if Beale Street could talk, and that's on Tuesday, BBC Two at 11.15pm, if you want to get your telly box to set it now. OK, so cinema. There's a lot of films getting a lot of really bad reviews right now. The, the Bob Marley one sounds like uh, no like somebody wasted a great opportunity there. Uh, Madam Webb, though, is, I think is po- possibly surpassing it for some of the worst reviews I've ever seen. So, look, we won't give it too much time because obviously we're not highly recommending it. But sometimes it can be fun to talk about how bad something is. Zara, how bad, how bad could Madam Webb be? It's catastrophically bad. <laughs> Um, it's been described as an embarrassing mess, the worst comic book movie. It's become a bit memeified as well online. Dakota Johnson, who is the titular Madam Web, she was asked, has she seen the film? And she said, no, maybe someday I'll watch it. No way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Already. Lo- yeah. It's in cinemas and she's already like... Yeah. And okay. opening week, it opened on Valentine's Day. I went on an afternoon screening on Thursday and I included, there were six of us in there. Um, luckily, there's no walkouts, but it is just really bad. And I'm not really one for Marvel films. I tend to try and avoid them. But I saw this was 116 minutes. I saw how bad it was getting reviewed, badly it was getting reviewed. And I was kind of interested. And I, as I was watching it, I was entertained by how bad it was, how wooden the acting is, how underdeveloped the story is. Um, and I just wish the only thing I had I had with me was a few friends, maybe go for a beer beforehand, kind of get revved okay. up for it. So it like, could be a cold night out, could it? It, it could be. Um, but Donald, it, is, it, is it bad enough to be? Well, I think there's, there's probably good. too many films that are bad in the same way around for it to stand out from the pack. But I think every year one particular 
film becomes whipping boy to a certain extent. Okay. Turn, I mean, there, there are dozens of terrible, terrible films. I'm not claiming there are dozens of ter- films as terrible as Madame Webb, but and I would say there are very few, there are relatively few films as bad as this that are given such a wide release and are promoted as heavily like, as they are. It's from the Spidey is it? Well, there's this complicated thing that's happened that, and um, pay attention if, if you're interested, that um, when Disney bought up the rights to the Marvel films, they what they did not secure or were able to secure were those projects that were already under production by other studios. So, for example, I think Fox have the X-Men film, so they didn't, they didn't have control of Fox. And Sony had already made a Spider-Man film, so they couldn't take that back off Sony because they already had Spider-Man. Now, eventually Disney got Spider-Man and put him into the Tom Holland films, but Sony still retained the rights to have subsidiary characters in the Spider-Man universe, like... Like Madame Webb, like Morbius, like Venom. So they okay. still have those, and they're still basically piggybacking off the main Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, having said that, I think this film, bad as it is, is actually a great deal less pretentious and a great deal more fun than most of the recent Marvel films. Mm. I'm not saying it's better, but because it is less clum- clumsy and, lum- and heavy and lumbersome than those MCU okay. films, I almost could have had a better time sitting through it, but it's, yeah, it is terrible. I think you might have bailed out the person doing the posters there. There's a line in there for them somewhere. Okay, that's um, that's Madam Web. Um, terrible. Um, <laughs> Zara, yeah. you can't beat a show about a cult. So uh, is it Rael? Rael, yeah. The Alien Prophet on Netflix. It's good to see French people making fools of themselves. As well, <laughs> absolutely. You know, they're normally so swanny and Yeah, it takes them down a peg. Like, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, this was fascinating. As soon as I saw UFO-centric cult, I was in. And those four episodes, they're 40 minutes long, easily digested. So basically, we're told the story of Claude Vorleon, who is a former singer, a former sports journalist who wanted to be a race car driver. He set up a publishing house and in the early 70s, he had an experience with extraterrestrials that he named the Elohim. And basically, they told him about how the Earth was created, that he was the last prophet. And he wrote about this in a book called The Book That Tells the Truth in 1974. He's then brought on to different television broadcasts. And with this, people see what he saying become interested and he develops a massive following um, and actually quite surprisingly today there's still a prominent following of Raelians out there um, in you know Europe, Africa in particular Rael now he lives in Japan so he's still going and he is featured in the last episode and throughout the preceding episodes you're dying to like see if he's going to be interviewed because they keep see what he teasing says. that he's walking along the beach yeah, and stuff yeah. and there's a huge point in it as well which was hugely controversial about cloning so part of their belief is that, you know, we can clone humans. And in 2002, there was an incident where they did say that they cloned the first human baby. So really fascinating, quite gripping documentary. Okay, that's Rael, the alien prophet on Netflix. Um, Listen, will we talk about the BAFTAs that are Mm. on tonight? Um, Donald, who'll be the big winners, do you think? Uh, I think Oppenheimer will win all over the place. No great surprises there. Um, Does it deserve it? Mm? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I liked Oppenheimer. I was not; it was not my favorite film of last year. But you know, you, you, it's pretty rare one's favorite film does win an awards season across the uh, across the. And I can sort of see it's the kind of film that would do well with the awards bodies. And as those things go, I've seen worse. So yes, I'm. I'm you know, I'm not. I'm not in yeah. a bad mood about it. Put it that way. Okay. I mean, the big thing, obviously, for the domestic contingent here, and um, well, obviously. One of the big things is Poor Things, which, as we keep stressing, is produced by Element Pictures from Dublin, is um, an Irish co-production as well as a British film and an American film. That is 
sure to pick up quite a few. I think probably in the um, technical areas in Europe. Okay. Costumes and then and so what, uh, Zara, there's there's other Irish interest as well? Yeah, absolutely. Barry Keown, obviously he's up for Saltburn. Paul Mesco has been recognised for his work in All of Strangers. Killian Murphy, as we said, he's up for um, his depiction of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, there is also a debut short, um, which is also up for um, a nomination to Earth Mama. Um, it includes Irish filmmakers Shirley O'Connor and May Reardon. Um, and what is it? It's, it's, it's certain California, is it? I actually haven't yeah. seen it myself. I haven't seen it either, no. no, but no. Okay. Um, so yeah, and obviously we all kind of hope that Killian Murphy will take on the gong. And notably, Andrew Scott was snubbed for his All of Us Strangers um, performance. Yeah, they have he a strange... Been known, which is very strange. It is. It was, that was most surprising. They have a strange mm. system in, in uh, BAFTA recently where there are six nominees, three of them are voted for by the members of BAFTA and then three are selected by a committee. So I would have thought that even if they hadn't got into the top three of the votes, the committee would have put him in, but apparently not. I mean, Murphy's in an interesting position um, in that, I mean, he was big, big favourite, and then Paul Giamatti won in a few places, and so Paul Giamatti is now almost neck and neck, I think. But he should for win the, he, for the Oscar, yeah. Yes, for the holdovers right. and the Oscars. He Murphy should win here. Um, uh, it's I know it's not a home home match. I know it's not a home match. He's from Cork, but um, it's sort of part of the wider the wider the wider family, the British and Irish film industries. He's on British television, obviously. So I mean, he, he was seen a part of it. So he should win here. If he doesn't win here, then you have to say Giamatti is edging ahead. Um, but Giamatti will probably win next weekend at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, um, okay. a more American-leaning awards, and that I think will keep. If that if that's how it does work out, then I think the race will be reasonably even up until Oscar Day. Though I would still give Murphy the slight edge at the Oscars. Okay, and apart from Oppenheimer, what what will be the other big winner films of this year? Well, I think Poor Things, I think obviously is going to uh, um, do, do do extremely well. Uh, and the Zone of Interest is an interesting one. Well, international film is interesting here, and uh, in the in that of Fall, which won the Palme d'Or uh, um, last year, has come forward. It's, it's it's good to see in these British and American um, ceremonies, foreign, lang- foreign language, inverted commas, films, doing well in a way they didn't 10 or 20 years ago. Natalie Fall could surprise in some places. I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Sandra Huller um, won there and beat uh, Emma Stone you're to not, Best Actress. You're not exactly, yeah. do you think, yeah? Absolutely. I keep I looking think... at the trailer and going, this looks like a really slow TV show. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> phenomenal. Is it, it's yeah? It's really great. Yeah, when it's I... not slow. I mean, everything else you say about it, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, the only kind of taxing part of it is that it's in French and you have to read. But well, it's about half in French. Yeah, I mean, half but, but, I mean, but half, German, nearly yeah. half of it's in English because yeah. the character uh, in court decides she will speak in English because her English is better than her than her French. Mm. Um, but that I think is interesting. And okay. in this case, so people might have seen a lot of the other big big films well, already. Barbie is one places. to check out. It's on, I think it's on the streamers now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And Barbie, yeah, you were going to say, is Barbie going to win things? Um, I, it could win some of the technical ones again. I don't think it's not winning. Winning, not winning best film or any of, uh, uh, I think it's nominated actually, mm-hmm. but it, but yeah, it's there. Is that the Barbenheimer phenomenon of last summer is still hanging around into awards season? Yeah, that all feels a bit old now at this stage, isn't it? Zara, against the backdrop of all that, is it worth thirty seconds on the Iron Claw, the Zac Efron film uh, about the wrestling family? Absolutely, it's really fascinating. It, Even yeah? if you've no interest in wrestling, I went in with very little knowledge. It's an emotional draining film um, about the Von Erich family who are a wrestling dynasty. Go in, I would say, with as little knowledge. Don't okay, read about them. Say no more, but emotionally draining. That, that, there's Bring one for the poster. Yep, <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Sarah Hederman and Donald Clark. 